there's many types of loss that we can face in this world. Who do we ascribe that loss to? Do we blame Allah? Do we get angry at Him? Do we get upset at Him because we suffered a loss? Or are we patient? Are we grateful? Or do we say that maybe Allah protected us for something? That is where our attitude comes in. That is where the Muslim mindset really comes in. Jazakallah khairan for everyone for tuning in to another session of our weekly tafsir where we look at key verses from the Quran pertaining to business, money, finance and society and draw forth actionable points of benefit. Today we'll be having a reflection on the fourth chapter of the Quran, verse number 78, which goes as follows. أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ أَيْنَمَا تَكُونُوا يُدْرِكُمُ الْمَوْتُ وَلَوْ كُنْتُمْ فِي بُرُوجٍ مُشَيَّدَةٍ وَإِنْ تُصِبْهُمْ حَسَنَةٌ يَقُولُ هَذِهِ مِنْ عِنْدِ اللَّهِ وَإِن تُصِبْهُمْ سَيِّئَةٌ يَكُولُ هَذِهِ مِنْ عِنْدِكَ قُلْ قُلُّمْ مِنْ عِنْدِ اللَّهِ فَمَا لِهَاؤُلَاءِ الْقَوْمِ لَا يَكَادُونَ يَفْقَهُونَ حَدِيثًا The meaning of the verse is as follows. Death will overtake you no matter where you may be. even inside high towers. When good fortune comes their way, they say this is from God. But when harm befalls them, they say this is from you, O Prophet. Say to them, O Prophet, both come from God. What is the matter with these people that they can barely understand what they are told? Very powerful verse indeed. And it's a continuation from the story of the previous verse. So the context is as follows, that the command for jihad had come to the Sahaba at the time. But many of them, while they were living in Medina, had become accustomed to some level of luxury and comfort. And therefore, they didn't want to go and fight. Part of the reason for that was because some of them, this is a small party we're talking about, they had started to fear the idea of death. So Allah revealed this verse where he essentially tells them that why are you worried about death when everything is predetermined by Allah? And when you are going to die, whether you are in the highest towers safe from everything, every harm, you are still going to die at the appointed time that God has written for you. So that is the kind of context of the verse. But let's dive in a little more deeper into this, shall we? The verse reminds us immediately about death. We know the famous verse of the Quran, "Kullu nafsin Every soul shall taste death, which means everyone's going to die. Everyone that's currently alive will die one day and everyone that will come to life in the future will also die another day. And Allah has told us about the purpose of this life already. He's kept it open for us. He's made it clear in his blessed book that the purpose of this life is to test us, to test human beings for what they do. 
on their actions, on how they react to certain things. And Allah has fulfilled this world with many beautiful things, with many glittering objects that catch our attention and prevent us from focusing on our true purpose. And off those distractions is entertainment. Off those distractions is pleasure. Off those distractions is our own fears, for example. One of those fears being death. See, Allah has already told us that the purpose of this life is that you will be tested to see whether you will still worship Allah, whether you will still remain grateful to Him, and whether you will be patient with these tests. And when you return to Him, you will be rewarded accordingly. But at the same time, when all these distractions are there, we forget about this ultimate return. We forget about death. We don't like talking about death and we shy away from mentioning it. We move away from all of this. We fear that recompense and we'd rather just enjoy what's in front of us already. We don't want to think about the future. Everyone wants to think about the now. Everyone wants to live their current reality. They don't want to think about what might happen in the future. It's the same kind of mindset that prevents us from investing towards our retirement and other things that are so far off in the future that we don't want to think about them. When it comes to money, we want to spend it now. We don't want to think about saving for our old age. We can do that later. We keep putting it off until we finally reach our old age. And same with death. No one thinks about it until you're actually on death's doorstep. So we know that we are going to die. And we know this return to our Lord is imminent. None of us prepare for it. So what happens when we don't focus on this return of ours, we begin to get distracted with those many things. So we begin hoarding wealth. We begin sitting in ivory towers, enjoying what life has to offer us and hoping that death is a far time away and that we can know, inshallah, make Doba in the last five minutes of our life. And that way, inshallah, we'll be forgiven. But that's not how death works, you see. Because death can come to you no matter where you are. If you're in the most safest place that you could be, if Allah has written death for you, that when death will come to you. And I like to use the analogy that life is like a video game. Everything you accomplish in a video game is pretty pointless. You can get the best skins, accumulate the max P experience points, complete the game on the highest difficulty, unlock all the trophies and achievements of the game. But when you turn it off, that game utterly was pointless. When you come back to your real life, when you turn that game off, you accomplish nothing from that. And that brings me to my next point, that everything is predestined by Allah. Everything. And therefore... Every situation that we're placed in has been written by Allah and has been written in the Lawh al-Mahfuz, which is with Allah, the eternal tablet. And in that, Allah has written the outcome of everything, when everyone will be born, when everyone will die, and where everyone's ultimate place is. What is this? We call this Qadr in Islam. And we are required as Muslims to believe in Allah's Qadr, that He has predetermined everything. And the thing is, we are tested in this world with so many things. And one of the hardest tests that we face is the test of loss. That loss can be in anything, but it's always the tests where we lose what is most precious to us that hit us the hardest. And they remind us of the reality of this world. So Allah has tested us. Allah has written these tests for us. And it reminds me of a thing, of a statement of Sheikh Abdul Hakim Murad, where he said, we cannot determine our circumstance. 
but we can determine our reaction. That is the test that Allah puts us in situations that He knows are going to test us. Now, those tests can be hard, as in hardship, literal hardship, in which Allah will test our loyalty, He will test our patience. All those tests can be tests of good, tests of ease and comfort, where Allah will test our gratitude. You could see that in many parts of the Muslim world, for example, many people don't have much to eat. Many people don't have clothes to wear. Many people are in situations of war and terror. These people are being tested on their patience and their loyalty to Allah. Will they still ascribe goodness to Allah? Will they still bear patiently with the burden of the test that they have been given? And we in the West, we are tested with luxury and ease and opulence. We are being tested on our gratitude. We can elaborate on this much further. But ultimately, both ease and hardship are tests from Allah. And the results of these tests will come back to us on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, where we will be where the results will be become manifested and everything will become clear whether we passed or not. I know I centered this tafsir around profit and loss, how Muslims should deal with profit and loss. Many of us at Islamic Finance Guru, we talk a lot about money and finance and how to apply these principles and these materials and resources in an Islamic and a halal way with an ummah-centric mindset to benefit the ummah. Similarly, we will inevitably, being in this world of money and finance, you're going to face profits and you're going to face loss. But where, that's where we apply qadr. We understand qadr through the profits and losses. Now, I'll tell you a story. I know a few people who, during the Bitcoin crash in 2018, tens of thousands of pounds, even hundreds of thousands of pounds in that crash. And many of us, we start businesses and they fail and we lose money. We face unemployment. There's many types of loss that we can face in this world. Who do we ascribe that loss to? Do we blame Allah? Do we get angry at Him? Do we get upset at Him because we suffered a loss? Or are we patient? Are we grateful? Or do we say that maybe Allah protected us for something? That is where our attitude comes in. That is where the Muslim mindset really comes in. And to give a few examples of people who despite making losses, they carried on. They had this mindset of continuing to strive forward and not have this victim mentality that we've lost everything, they have a cry about it and they just give up. That's not what Islam requires of us. If we look at the Sahaba, for example, they faced losses in battle. They never stopped moving forward and trying to continue on their good path. And a few examples that come to mind in recent history of people who've made massive losses yet still carried on and they managed to turn those losses into huge wins. For example, two figures come to mind. The famous boxer, George Foreman. After his boxing career, he lost a lot of money and eventually he had to file for bankruptcy. But he came back he became the oldest boxer in his weight class at the time. He experimented with a few ventures. And eventually he launched the George Foreman Grill, which sold 100 million units. Now he's worth approximately $300 million. Not everyone will know George Foreman. So here's a more pertinent example that I'm sure will really spell it out for you. Can you believe it that the man who started the brand that we know as Disney 
He was a struggling filmmaker and at one point he lost all his money, couldn't even pay his employees. He eventually had to file for bankruptcy. Now his brand not only owns Marvel and Star Wars, two huge franchises, but his brand is worth $130 billion. He never gave up. And so similarly, we can take lessons from these non-Muslims. Whenever we face a loss in our business or face a loss in any aspect of our life, we should be grateful to Allah. We should remain patient. We should ask Allah for success. We have this attitude that we will continue to keep striving and pushing forward, wanting to benefit others with the wealth that we accumulate. Allah will put barakah in that. So to close off, I'll list a couple actionable points that we can all implement in our lives. So one of the key lessons that I'll say is profit and loss is determined by Allah. So this is already predetermined. There's no use in crying about it. If you make a loss, don't cry about it. And if you make a profit, don't become exceedingly happy because you don't know when the next loss is on its way. So Despite profit and loss being determined by Allah, that doesn't mean that we act without thinking. We should still tie our camel and make educated investments and rely on Allah for our success. That's point number one. Point number two, if we make profits and gains, we should be thankful to Allah and make sure we pay our dues on that wealth. That means sadaqah and our zakat. Don't try to avoid these things because there is barakah in paying them. Allah purifies our wealth when we pay these things. And as we all know from the famous hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, charity removes harms that are coming towards you. Point number three, if we make losses, we should be patient. Remain grateful to Allah for everything else we have and continue to strive in His path. Continue with our business. Don't give up. Keep on going forward and keep our eyes on the prize, the ultimate prize, which is Jannah. Keep working towards that and don't lose sight of it. Because in the end of the day, and this is point number four, in the end of the day, we're going to die. Our kids will probably fight over our wealth and property. And everything that we cared about in this life suddenly won't matter when we're in the grave. We're not going to care about our money. We're not going to care about the size of our house. We're not going to care about the size of our investments. All we're going to care about is how many good deeds do we have and is it enough for us to make it to our eternal home in Jannah? Is That's the only thing that will be on your mind. And so we should always keep that at the forefront of our mind. And when it comes to making profits and losses, invest money wisely, do the best you can with your money, but have that ummah-centric approach. Have that mindset that I want to benefit the Muslims with my money and I want to make an investment the biggest investment into my akhirah. That should be your number one investment plan. Your number one goal is not to build a mansion here or to acquire a billion properties or to acquire billions in crypto or stocks or you know have 10 streams of income for this world. Your ultimate goal should be to acquire all of that. Nothing wrong with trying to acquire all of that, but to benefit the Muslims so that you could make the ajr, the reward, and go and claim that reward in the Akhirah because that return is the best return. And that return is an eternal return that will stay with you forever. You will never lose that return. That property will remain your property in Jannah forever.
the blessings that Allah will give you in Jannah will be yours to enjoy forever and ever and ever. Whereas this house that you live in now, the billions in your bank account, they will eventually go. They will eventually fade and you will eventually lose that. Inshallah, they don't. In many cases, the children end up fighting over the father's or mother's wealth and relationships are broken because of that. We hope with Ummah-centric mindset, that will be passed into your kids as well. Your kids will know that this wealth worth fighting over. Rather, Allah has allocated portions already to them and they have a right over what is divinely for them. So inshallah, we conclude with that. I'll see you guys next week, inshallah, for another tafsir se- session. Jazakallah khairan for everyone. And inshallah, see you next time. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Ashadu wa la ilaha illa ant. Wa astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. If you got this far, you must have enjoyed the podcast, which means you'll definitely love our other episodes and other content we produce as well, inshallah. Be sure to check out the website, islamicfinanceguru.com, as well as our YouTube channel and social media. Until next time, assalamu alaikum.